lot of significance, I think, for a good many of us. And uh, as we uh, think about the storms of life and the stresses of life, I was talking with a pastor this week as we met to pray, and he, uh, he said, you know, and he'd been, can you imagine this? He's older than I am, actually, in the ministry. And uh, he, uh, he said, nowadays, he said, I've never known a time when there was more stress in life than in these days. So uh, I'll take his word for it since he was an old guy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Bible really was written, the New Testament was written uh, in times of extreme stress at times. And so I tell you, if you'll turn your Bibles to First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, we'll look at this passage for a moment. Uh, Some of you have read perhaps the, the old book entitled In His Steps. It's about a group of Christians that found really revival and victory in their life when they started applying one simple principle to everyday life. Uh, they would ask in every situation, what would Jesus do? And you know, sometime back we had those, uh, uh, some would wear bracelets, WWJD, those kinds of things. So, um, uh but that's a question I think that people in every time, every place of life, every one of us at some point um, will ask ourselves, what, what do I need to do? What would Jesus have me do? Maybe it's a better question. What would Jesus have me do? And so listen to this passage from uh, the early church days by the Apostle Peter. Uh, really a time, and uh, it had become now a beginning of really systematic kind of persecution, still in the early part of that. But uh, he said this, he said, I beloved you, beloved, excuse me, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, that they may on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether the king as one in authority or the governor sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as, a, as bond slaves to, to God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Servants or slaves, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if, the, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer, for it you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For since you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, 
leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your soul. So it was a time in those days when there was all kinds of suffering. There was mockery, there was... Uh, uh, castigation of Christ, his name. There was um, persecution of a physical nature. Sometimes there was imprisonment. Sometimes even death would follow. It was beginning to be that case when Peter was written. And so uh, even Peter himself, we know, met a martyr's death. He was crucified himself, but he chose, he asked that he not be crucified as Jesus was crucified, but that he would be crucified upside down. And so he was. But he's writing to his fellows, to his friends, to, to, his, to, to the church, to his family, to his brothers and to his sisters. And he knows, he knows the, the hurt they're feeling. And so what would... What would Jesus have me to do? How should I act? Jesus was his Lord. He had been with Jesus. How would Jesus have me to act? And, and in this case, he would say, act like Jesus. Jesus, he gives us an example of Jesus' own suffering. He said, you know, uh, it's part of his life. And so I would say, first of all, he would want us to know Jesus. He would want us to be saved. He would want us to, uh, as it said you all were continually straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray, every one of us. We've all turned into our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It says The Bible says we're all, the way, all have sinned and come short of God's glory. So to be noted as a sinner, well, just join the club. It's a universal club. We're all sinners. Saved by God's grace. And so we're to understand that he loves us. He doesn't love our sin. And it's his Holy Spirit that comes to our heart and convicts us of our sin. And when we do wrong and go wrong. But he's doing it to call us. He's doing it, as they used to say in the old days, to woo us to him. His spirit works in our life. And we are... We are recipients of his grace if we believe in him. Now, believe is more than just a mental ascent, a mental exercise. It's more than just uh, believing the truth about something. Believing is putting your weight on it. Believing in somebody. You who are married, you are believing in your spouse. You're putting your faith in them. And uh, we have all kinds of relationships where we are believing in somebody. We're trusting in somebody. But when it comes to your soul, when it comes to your soul, you better put your trust in one 
God and His Son, Jesus Christ. There's nobody else. Mankind will let you down. But with, with Jesus Christ, He'll never let you down. And He's alive. He's alive forever. He's always with us. So believe in Him and confess Him as your Savior. Let the world know. One of the things we want to do today as we go with the, with the fair ministry is we want people to know Jesus. We want them to see Jesus. We want them to be treated as Jesus would treat them. And so, and so be saved. Have Christ as your Savior. That's the beginning place. What would Jesus have me to do? Some of you are in some unusual circumstances right now. You're being pulled away by all kinds of different, uh, different things. I, I think about the pulling power of the world. Uh, when we were kids, we used, to, we used to tie a paint bucket, put some water in it, and uh, we would tie it onto a rope, and then we would start spinning it. And we would take that rope, and we would you know, get it going further and further. And we'd, we'd let it out further and further. The more we spun it, the further it would go. And that bucket would pull. It would pull as, you, as it went round and round like that. And I think of the pulling power of the world. It's like a centrifugal force pulling us, wanting us to pull away from Christ. But Christ holds the rope. Christ holds the center of our lives. And he won't let us go. He won't let us go. Now, I remember when we played it, the last time I played it, I was standing on the outside of that big swinging bucket. And whatever the boy did, he took a step to me. And he smacked me right in the head. I mean, knocked me off my feet. And uh, I have to tell you, I was mad at him. You know, that's, that's like fighting time right there. He ran in the house. He ran in the house. And uh, he was not going to come out. I waited on him. You might not realize really what a fierce guy I really am. Anyway, I waited and waited on that boy. He would not come out. And finally it occurred to me that there wasn't going to be no more playing unless that boy come out of the house. So I hollered in through the window. I said, uh, we all had open windows, you know. I said, Daryl, if you'll come on out, let's just play some more. And he did. It's not worth holding a grudge, is it? What would Jesus have you to do right now with what's going on in your life? One is he would have you hold on to him. Because he's holding on to you. I look at the relationship with Christ if we put our hand in his hand. There used to be an old song back when I was a boy, put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. And when he's got a hold of us, he's not going to turn us loose. He's going to hold on to us. Amen? Put your hand in his hand, hold on, and trust him. And then in verse 11 it says, um, it says, he says, now, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. What is he talking about there? He's talking about keep to your disciplines. Discipline your life. You might be hurting right now. You might be scared. But don't turn loose of trusting and obeying God. And so whatever the powers that be that pull, he mentions fleshly lust. And 
immediately we think of the sexual lust. We live in a day and time where such is just is so prevalent. It's two clicks away from every one of our eyes and hearts. But that's not all he's referring to. Whatever the pull of the world is in your life, you abstain from those things. So keep to your discipline. And he, he, taught, he says, remember, you are strangers and aliens. Now, that's an odd thing to call us, you know. Had some visitors come in today, and I didn't call you a bunch of strangers. I hope I didn't say that when you came in today. We're all strangers. We're all just visiting this earth. We all live here, but we have a home that's different from here. We're going to another home. We're just passing through this place. We are here to, on a temporary assignment, you might say. And so while we're here, we're to keep to our discipline. Sometimes we want to we separate what we would consider the sacred from the, uh, from the secular. And I realize I've not got my microphone on. I'm about to walk away from this thing, so I'll cut it on so in case something happens. But we sacred part of life, and I'll just, uh, you know, it's my church life. I'll come on Sundays, and I'll sing, and I'll give. And I'll be kind and nice to everybody. And then i got the rest of my life, and I'll just do my own thing. Well, that's not the disciplined kind of life he's called for. He says, remember, when you're in the world... You've got to keep your discipline. You've got, to, you've got to make sure you're staying strong in the Lord. And you're walking with the Lord. And so uh, there's no sacred and secular. Uh, for those of us who think that that's the way it is, we're just sort of like those flying fish. I've never seen a flying fish. But I understand that they spend a little time out of the water. Is that right? They must jump up out of the water in a little while and they're back in it. Well, that's not the way with the Lord. You just don't jump into the Lord and then back into the world. You know, it's always with the Lord. So whether you're at home, work, school, wherever you are in life, that's it. Live a disciplined life. Abstaining from fleshly lust, he said. And give regular attention to the spiritual tension you live with. To that force that's in there. When you think it's going slack, that's when you're in trouble. <laughs> Be aware that you, ha- you are in a spiritual warfare. And the devil, if he sleeps, he don't sleep much, does he? And so keep to the Word. Keep to praying. Keep to fellowship. And we need each other. And we get cut off from the pack, we're in mighty big trouble. We need that time to come in and be encouragers and be encouraged and worship together and study together God's Word. And then he says in verse 12, he talks about living... I'm not going to go through every one of these verses, by the way. But in verse 12, he says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds observe them and glorify God in the day of visitation. Don't let people you know, be unkind to you about doing wrong things. Don't be out there doing wrong things, he said. He said, let, let, if they're going to be unkind to you, let them be unkind to you for about doing the right thing and living the right way. And so uh, live 
redemptively. That's, that's a lot to that. If there's tensions in your life with other folks, don't give up on it. You might have to pray it over a long time. You might do your best to offer a hand of peace. You might get it slapped. But don't give up on it. Just keep on praying. You never know when time may come when that fist toward you will open up and you've gained a brother or a sister back into your family. Live redemptively. Live waiting on God to do things in your life. To Be, be excited about what He's doing for you and in you. Uh, try, to, try to cooperate with God in whatever His purpose is in your life. Uh, and live to help unbelievers become believers in every relationship. And that's really what He's spelling out here in so many ways. Whatever your relationship to anybody, be redemptive in it. Submit to God first. And that might cause you in workplace, in your country, wherever you're at, whatever authorities are over you, it may cause you to submit to them. But you submit to them in the Lord. You have submitted to Him. You are actually free in Him. Live freely, He says. Be free. And let, let them see. And then follow His steps. Trying to remember A.W. Tozer's statement. A Christian is anyone, man, boy, man, man, woman, boy, or girl, who comes to God as a lost sinner, accepts Jesus Christ as Savior, follows Him in their life, and seeks to do whatever would please Him. That's a pretty good summation. Not exactly the right words, but... Follow in his steps. And that's why he ends with this example about Jesus. Because if we look at each other, we know we stumble. He said, so finally at the end of the day, look at Jesus. He's the one you're worshiping. He's the one you can follow who will never let you down. Sometimes you've got you to take it up to Jesus. Amen? You've got to get in a place... Praying up to Jesus. I was trying to remember this. I was looking yesterday at a hawk flying around, and this hawk, I don't know what it is about hawks, but you know, other birds don't like hawks very much. And they'll gang up on a hawk. And all them little birds are just chasing that hawk and flying around. And uh, as long as he stayed down in the neighborhood, he was, he was under duress. But what he would do is he'd begin to circle up. He'd go higher and higher and higher to a place his enemies couldn't reach. And there's something about that little picture to me that's like a picture of prayer. Sometimes you've got to take it to the highest. You've got to pour out your heart to Him. Because that's where our power is. That's where the source of our strength is. Father, thank you for your word. And God, as fellow believers, we come today to worship today, to gain a lesson from the scriptures. And Lord, to just join our hearts together with each other and with you. What would you have me to do today, oh God? For some here, it might be to 
This is the day to finally make that peace with God through Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, to accept Him as my Savior. Just admit that we are sinners. We hear Him calling to our heart. That's the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And we answer Him by saying, Lord, forgive me my sins and come into my life. And I want to walk with you and be with you. I want to turn my whole life over to you. I want to fully commit my life to you. Maybe today is a good day to do that for you. It could be that today is a day for you to recommit your life to Christ. You've gotten so under duress, so much pressure, so much pulling away, that somehow the center of your life has moved from Christ to yourself or to the world. And it's just time to come back to God and say, Lord, I know you're holding on to me, but I want to get back a hold of you with both hands now and recommit my life to you. Could be that you've been a part of this church coming, visiting. Maybe today you want to become part of this church family. You've tasted of the Lord. And you've tasted this church and you say, I believe this is a place God wants me. And I want to be a part of this place. God, there may be some here that just need to bow and pray today. Hearts are breaking perhaps and just need to pray. We just pray that God, you'll guide us now and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen.